A winter storm warning is in effect for our region through 6 o'clock tonight. The National Weather Service says the snowstorm that blew through this morning dumped between 6 and 9 inches of heavy, wet snow, and wind gusts exceeded 35 miles an hour. Coastal flooding is expected in Fairfield County and the north shore of eastern Long Island. You're listening to After All Things, WSHU's daily news and culture update from the Long Island Sound region. The special election for a George Santos replacement is today. Connecticut's state university system wants an extra $47 million next fiscal year. And the unique way these local lovebirds celebrate Valentine's Day. Those stories and more are coming up. I'm Sabrina Garone. Voters on Long Island head to the polls today to decide who should replace expelled Congressman George Santos. The special election in New York's 3rd Congressional District could narrow the already thin Republican majority in the House. WSHU's Desiree DiOrio reports. The tight race is a toss-up between Republican Mozzie Pillip and Democrat Tom Swazi in the district just east of New York City. Swazi is running for his old job. He represented the district for six years as a moderate Democrat. Pillip started her political career just a few years ago when she was elected to the local legislature. The race has gained national attention as a harbinger of voter sentiment ahead of this November's elections. The seat is open because the House voted last year to expel George Santos over ethical and campaign finance violations. Desiree DiOrio, WSHU News. Connecticut lawmakers and higher education advocates are preparing for a public hearing next Tuesday over funding for the state's colleges and university system. WSHU's Molly Ingram reports the university system is seeking an additional $47 million for the next fiscal year. Governor Ned Lamont last week called the $440 million allocated to the state university system the biggest investment in higher ed in state history. But Representative Greg Haddad, chair of the Higher Education and Employment Advancement Committee, says the system is in crisis, mostly due to the end of pandemic-era funding from the American Rescue Plan Act. He asked State Budget Director Jeff Beckham to hear the concerns from the higher ed community. We have a public hearing, as you know, on February 20th. This room will be filled with faculty and staff and advocates for public higher education. We will be here listening to their testimony. Um, I will keep a seat open for you. Beckham says the state has been working with the university system on the capital side, but they have to cut operation costs. That could include tuition hikes and staff layoffs. Molly Ingram, WSHU News. A study on the impacts of legalized gambling in Connecticut finds few changes compared with earlier reports from decades ago. WSHU's Shelley Hassman Kadish reports the study was commissioned by the State Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. The report by Gemini Research of Northampton, Massachusetts, concluded that the majority of state residents consider the availability of gambling options satisfactory, while a quarter of respondents said gambling is too widely available. In a survey of over 5,000 adults in 2023, researchers found that over 60% of respondents were recreational gamblers in the past year, while nearly 2% were considered problem gamblers. 
The study's authors say the state's rate of problem gambling is similar to that found in a study conducted in 2008. The study also found that gambling revenue from southeastern Connecticut's two tribal casinos steadily declined since 2007. Online gambling is up slightly. Shelley Hassman Kadish, WSHU News. Valentine's Day is tomorrow, and if you forgot to plan something special, maybe this Boston couple will inspire a fun tradition. That story's on the way. First, a message from our supporter. Local support comes from Hartford HealthCare, the only health system in the Northeast, with all its hospitals receiving A grades for safety from the LeapFrog Group the nation's leading independent safety watchdog group, hartfordhealthcare.org. State lawmakers in Connecticut are considering a proposal that would improve sewer systems in communities where the poverty rate is less than 20 percent. Abigail Brown reports on how this could help communities that need more affordable housing. Affordable housing construction is prevented at times by a lack of sewer infrastructure able to handle new apartments. The bill, proposed by advocacy group Open Communities Alliance, would allow towns and cities to draw from a $50 million fund to improve sewer systems. Aaron Boggs, Open Communities Alliance Executive Director, says the program would help municipalities meet their affordable housing goals. What we're trying to create here is a special fund to make sure that there's no barrier for towns who have an affordable housing obligation that they are not able to get done. The plan would also incentivize water pollution control authorities to include a vision for affordable housing accommodation in their sewer planning. For the New England News Collaborative, I'm Abigail Brown. Long Island grade school enrollment rates are decreasing, according to the latest state data. 76% of Long Island school districts saw student populations drop by more than 7% in the last decade. That's more than 33,000 students. Suffolk County lost over 26,000 students within the decade, which is a 10% decrease, and Nassau County enrollment declined by 3%, or nearly 6,800 students. Researchers blame declining birth rates, aging residents, and high real estate costs. 30 Connecticut police officers may soon be decertified from active duty for breaches in the Code of Conduct. Some of the violations include animal cruelty, gathering data on private citizens, and using resources to help family members in legal trouble. There are eight officers under review from the New Haven Police Department, five of which were involved in the 2022 incident that left Randy Cox paralyzed. The Northport High School Orchestra will perform in the Capitol Orchestra Festival in Washington, D.C. on President's Day. Only four school orchestras were chosen nationwide to perform at the JFK Center for Performing Arts. Each school will also get to take part in a master class with Colonel Dennis Leidendecker, the former conductor of the U.S. Air Force Symphony Orchestra. Valentine's Day is tomorrow, and NPR's Brittany Luce brings us a unique Valentine's tradition from a couple in the Boston area.
married couple Daisy and Brian Genta have a unique tradition of choosing gifts for Valentine's Day. Because it's definitely kind of a contest between us who can sort of give the most awful thing or do the most awful thing that year. That's right. Their Valentine's Day tradition is all about giving each other terrible gifts. It was born when the two first started dating. They had to spend their first Valentine's Day apart, and they thought, what's the point? And then we started having a conversation about how Valentine's Day in general is just sort of an overblown holiday with too many conventions that need to be adhered to and that we wish it was something else anyway. (laughs) Their tradition has continued for 24 years. And over time, their schemes have gotten more elaborate, more devious. It's always lighthearted, though, with the goal to make each other cringe, then laugh. Yeah, and so now it's, I think it's become really creative. You know, I really hate corn, and (laughs) so Brian will fill the house with corn products that totally gross me out. He can't stand cotton balls, so I will, you know, put cotton balls all over things that he will inevitably need to touch in order to go about his life. And then, uh, you know, she's a a lover of houseplants. So one year she woke up on Valentine's Day, and they were all gone. (laughs) (laughs) They returned the next day, though, just just so you know. Daisy got Brian back by showing up to his office dressed as a clown. (laughs) And I'm not a big fan of clowns. And so one year she actually showed up and uh, made balloon animals for the entire staff. I was basically curled up in a corner the entire time. (laughs) It was fantastic. There's something about their repulsive gift-giving that makes this tradition romantic. They both attest that it takes real effort to plan their surprises. They listen to each other and take notes throughout the year, drafting up their next idea. I think it's such a fun chance to indulge your like playful, devious side. Part of the beauty of our relationship is that we can make each other laugh. To be sort of guaranteed that every year is, is a blessing. It's basically where we understand what our partner dislikes about, you know, really anything and then tries to create an experience where it kind of brings out that dislike in a a funny, lighthearted way. Uh, I can't imagine going back to a traditional Valentine's. This year, Brian already has his horrible gift planned for Daisy. Uh, I'm totally locked in. I'm ready to go. At a moment of, of inspiration just a, a few days ago. So I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> that was NPR's Brittany Luce. And you can hear even more Valentine's Day traditions by listening to NPR On Air with WSHU. For the latest news from Long Island and Connecticut, you can listen on the radio or stream anytime with the WSHU app or on our website, WSHU.org. After All Things is supported by Hartford HealthCare, and this podcast is also made possible with support from our listeners. So if you like what you hear, consider making a donation to WSHU or even becoming a member. All the info on how to do that is there for you on our website. I'm Sabrina Garone. Have a great rest of your evening. Stay safe if you're on the roads. I'll talk to you tomorrow.